Um, also, I wanted to say when I was coming up here, our worship band, love them, but did you notice a familiar face that's back with us today? Meg Ravis, she's back from maternity leave. So good to have her back. I know a few of you have been asking, where have I been? I have not been on maternity leave. I look like it. That's just the pizza. I ate a lot of pizza. But for me, uh, this summer has been great in that I've been able to go to our other campuses. Uh, If you're new to the chapel, we actually have three campuses. uh, Norwalk, Port Clinton, Sandusky, all meeting right now. And I was able to go to those campuses and just see how they're doing and teach there. And then also I got some vacation time and got to spend time with my family. But I'm back and it feels so good to be back at my home church. The other churches are my home as well. But this is the one that I've been at since I've been 17 and I'm just grateful to be here with you. Today's a special weekend. We've been in the book of Acts looking at Acts week by week, chapter by chapter. But we're going to take a pause on that today and we're going to be looking at our vision. Our 2023 vision. If you've been here over the last little while, you know about a year and a half ago, we ended up launching our 2023 vision in the midst of all things COVID. I think for COVID, for our lives, for the church, for everything, it made us look even deeper at what is happening. And as we looked at the chapel and what God is doing, we asked ourselves, God, where do you want to take the church? Where do you want the chapel to be in the next three years and beyond? And we ask that question strategically. Because I think sometimes we say to God, God, here's what I want to do and bless our plans. But that doesn't work. It may work for a while. But if we just say, God, here's my desire, will you bless it? He won't be able to bless it in a way that if we said to God, what are your desires? What are your plans? And let us follow you. That's how God blesses us as a people and us as a church. And so we asked that question. In doing so, we were reflecting on the history of the church. The church started 36 years ago in a living room. A living room of Pastor Bill and Darlene Schroeder that had this vision to start the chapel. Hey, all right, thank you guys. I'm going to just put this over here just in case. I'll keep it close. And we said, okay, God... For the last 36 years, you've grown and expanded the chapel. It started in a living room, and then it transitioned to different locations. And then we were over on Columbus Ave. Raise your hand if you were at our Columbus Ave church. That's awesome. We've been in this church for 20 years, so you guys are at least 20-plus year members of the chapel. We came here in 2022. Things began to grow. Things began to expand. We said, okay, God, where are our people coming from? Of course, Sandusky and Huron and those areas. But then all of a sudden, we saw an influx of people driving from the Norwalk area. Well, how can we make sure that they have a church in their own community? So we expanded in Norwalk. And then as we got ready for our 2020 vision, we said, well, there's a lot of people coming across the bridge. So we want to meet our people there. And there was Pastor Ryan in Grace Baptist Church, and they were ready for an adoption. And so we adopted that church, and now that's the chapel. And that really fulfilled our 2020 vision of saying, okay, God, we grew wider. Now what do you want to do? And we feel like the Lord was saying, we want want you to grow deeper. Because the tree will continue to grow, but if it's not healthy, if it doesn't have roots dug deep into a fertile soil, it can't grow the way it's supposed to. And we want to see the results of God going deeper. And it lines up with what Jesus says in Matthew 13, 23. He's talking about God's word. And he said, the seed 
that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And look what happens when it's really planted in the heart of a person or in a church. It says it'll produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as it's been planted. In other words, when God's, uh, God's word takes root and it's nourished and it can grow, it'll produce a harvest that is plentiful, that we can't even imagine how big it is. And so we wanted to focus on that growing deeper mentality. How can we be the healthiest church possible so that we can yield the results that Jesus promises if the word is planted in fertile soil? So we asked ourselves, if the church is a, a tree as a metaphor, then what are its roots? And so for the last year and a half, we've identified these biblical roots of building a culture of family, becoming like Jesus, equipping the next generation, cultivating healthy relationships, gaining financial wisdom, and engaging our neighborhoods, communities, and world for Jesus. We believe that if we're able to continue to grow deeper and nourish these roots, our tree becomes healthier and it can expand. And in that expansion, more people can come to know Jesus at the chapel. But if these are not nourished, if these are not taken care of, then we're not going to be able to be the church that God's calling us to be. So we've been focusing on that. And I want to tell you, we're right at the midway point of this 2023 vision. And so for the next few moments, I want to share scripture, stories, and statistics to tell you what God is doing. Some of us know everything that's happening. Other things you're going to see and think, wow, God, that's amazing. But at the end of the day, when you're going back to your cars and you're putting your umbrellas up or throwing your jackets over your head so your hair doesn't get wet, and you return to your cars, my prayer is that not the chapel would be glorified, or the pastors, or the staff, because that's not what it's about. My prayer is that you would get in your car at the end and say, wow, God, you are doing a wonderful thing, and I glorify you, and in turn, I want to be a part of that. I want to follow your lead as I'm a part of the chapel and bring you glory through the vision that you are enacting in this church. That's my prayer for us today, so would you pray with me? Father, this is your church. You're the lead pastor. You're in control. Whether it's a thunderstorm or if it's a beautiful day, whether the lights are on or the lights are off, whether life is good or life isn't, you are the Lord. And God, we just ask you to bless our time together and continue to show us the vision that you have for this unique church in this unique location of Sandusky and Norwalk and Port Clinton. May we be faithful to the call that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to throw a lot at you today. I'd rather give you more than not. And so I'm not going to probably read everything and share everything. I said that last night and I shared everything and I went too long. So I will not do that today. But I'm really hoping that you just get a picture of what God is doing at the chapel, but more so what he continues to want to do here. And so I'm just going to walk through each route with you. This is build a culture of family. Every picture that you see, other than the Google stock image I use for a tree and all of that, every other picture that you see is from our chapel family. This is one of my favorite pictures that you'll see because this is building a culture of family. Uh, intergenerations coming together at a camp called Mix Camp in order to grow closer. 
This, mo- this models what Paul says to the church in Romans 12. When Paul says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. You see, if we're going to create a culture of family, we have to live out what these two verses are saying. That not only do we recognize that all of us have different gifts and abilities and talents and things that God has given us, we're each uniquely separate, but we're also united together to be a living organism to leave this church and to be the church in the community and in the world. And Paul says, if we're doing that well, we all will fit together and we will belong together, just like our whole body belongs together. Whether you like everybody or not, that does not negate the fact that at the end of the day, we belong together. And if the church at large in this state and in this world now is going to grow, this peace has to work People in this culture are desperate to belong. That is why we see so many things in our culture that we're we're despising it and we're frustrated with it and we're getting angry with it. Instead, what we should do is say, let's put all of our attention and making this the place that no matter who you are or where you've come from or what you believe, we belong. And if we create a family where everybody comes in together and they can just put on their favorite sweatpants, kick off their shoes, and and actually feel at home, then guess what? The church grows. The church glorifies God. The church is a place where people feel safe to take their next steps. That's what we want to be. And so in order to build a culture of family, here are just a few highlights that we've done over the last year and a half with your help. This is a picture of our team. It just came back from Mexico, by the way. Great team that's spreading the gospel down there. One of the things I want to really focus on is that we started a cancer care ministry. Pastor Jay, along with some volunteers at the church, saw all of the needs that come with going through cancer. And some of you right now, you're either battling cancer, you're helping a family member or a friend through their diagnosis. And I have heard and I have witnessed how dark and desperate that time can be. Whether you're at home reflecting on what's ahead, whether you have to go through the brutal uh, treatments and sitting there alone as you have an IV stuck in you, as poison's coming in, fighting this cancer off. It is such a really hard time. And so we said, how can we come, across, come alongside of people to help them become more of a family? And so we have this ministry that if you have uh, someone in this church or you have a family member that's going through cancer and you stop at our welcome center, we're going to get their name and we're going to deliver them a basket and we're going to tell them that we're in the fight with them. That's belonging to the family, especially for those who are hurting. And then it says to implement a new baptism follow-up system. If you are familiar with the scriptures, Jesus is baptized and then for, for the next 40 days he's in the wilderness. And it's true, anytime you and I take a step forward in our faith, especially a monumental step like baptism, that's where the enemy really wants to take us down. Just like he tried to take Jesus down. 
And so how can we make sure to come alongside of those who are following Jesus and they've publicly declared that? Well, we, we implemented a new baptism system that me or another pastor or another staff member are, are being in touch as best as we can with those who have been baptized, writing them cards, sending them letters to know that, hey, we're in this with you. We're a family. The second route is to become like Jesus. This is such a beautiful picture because what Megan displays here is exactly the process of becoming like Jesus. Megan has gone through and is still going through a really hard time of recovery. And just like you and I, the spiritual journey is not a straight line. There are things in our life where we're just begging God to take away because they're affecting our relationships. They're affecting our walk with God. The other day I was in my car with my kids and you know how kids ask the darndest questions and one of my bright children, they were in the van and they go, hey dad, you ever cuss? <laughs> Oof. Now, think about it as a win. They've never heard me cuss. So that's good. <laughs> But I said, let me tell you, sometimes dad will slip. <laughs> but let me tell you this, and this is just a great moment to say how I've become like Jesus. I remember when I uh, said yes to following Jesus for the first time when I was 17. It was so weird. I had a filthy mouth. Filthy. I mean, terrible. Things I would say, and instantly it was taken away. So if I do say a cuss word now, I feel like so inauthentic because I just don't say those things. <laughs> But there are things that I've been battling since that day I started following Jesus that are almost worse today because I'm in process. And those things that are worse today, they may even be better tomorrow. And then I may go back to them the next day. But when we're following Jesus, it is not a linear straight line. It's up and down. It's backwards and forwards. But we have a goal, John tells us. We have a northern star that we're going after as we follow Jesus. And John says those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. In other words, if you are a Christian, you should look like Christ. And I know that's like elementary, but we're not always like that. Some of our coworkers find out we're a follower of Jesus or we go to church, they are shocked. They shouldn't be shocked. They should be like, oh yeah. Of course. I don't really know Jesus, but if I did know Jesus and he was real, you sure look like him. That's the goal. So how do we continue to become like Jesus even if we go backwards and forwards in our life? Well, over the last year and a half, we don't always put up numbers because we never want to glorify numbers. That is a measuring tool, but it is not the measuring tool. But just for our time today, just to show you what God's done, over the last two years, we've had 175 baptisms at the chapel at all three campuses. That's worth celebrating. That's from kids all the way to adults in their 80s, publicly declaring that they follow Jesus. Twice a week, our pastor sent out a Beyond the Weekend devotional. We send that to 1,300 individuals who are trying to follow Jesus. And our pastors, we put a lot of time in that. Uh, one of our staff members, Zach, said, hey, Eric, I know how many people have opened the email that you sent. I'm like, Zach, I don't even want to know because it would probably crush my pride. You're going to tell me like nine or something like that. And I was one of them. <laughs> and they said, he said, actually, the last time we sent it out, a thousand people opened it. And what that did to my heart, it showed me that people at the chapel want to follow Jesus. They want to grow. It's amazing. 
If you say, what is this beyond the weekend devotional? You don't receive those. Just write beyond the weekend on your comment card on the back of your welcome program that you receive. Just put it in our giving boxes on the way out and we'll make sure you receive that. And then of course, as we're in the book of Acts, we've created an all church reading plan that we're all reading together so that whoever is teaching that weekend, we can be on the same page. So that's what we've done. What do we want to do? Where are we going in light of these roots? Well, first of all, we want to incorporate new ways to serve together. I don't know if the rain holds off. You're going to see today, if you ever come to the 1030 service, because we're deploying it there, you're going to see some of our greeting team out there with signs welcoming people into the church. Because to be a welcoming church, we shouldn't wait until they walk through the doors. We should do that in the parking lot. We're looking for families and people that just want to be out there and say, well, I'm glad you have pulled on to the lot of the chapel today. We're looking for even more new ways to serve together. So stay tuned for that. We want to develop campus-specific opportunities for connecting with our pastors and with each other. What I love about the chapel that is one of the most unique things that I have not seen often at churches, but I'm glad we have it, is we have a rotating, rotating teaching team. So I, I'm here this weekend, but I may not be here twice in a row. And you get to hear from Jay and Joe and Todd and Charles and myself because it's so good to hear from other people and hear their unique perspective on the scriptures. But we also know that you need someone to be able to connect with on a regular basis. We have that in Norwalk. Pastor Charles is in Norwalk 95% of the time. He's there today. Pastor, Char or Pastor Ryan, he and his family are moving to Michigan to be closer to family. And so that vacated that position. So we've asked Pastor Todd to go there and to be there more often so they have a familiar face that they can go to. So Pastor Todd will be there 75% of the time. And he'll be here probably about once a month. But you won't see him as much. But sadly for you, you'll see me more. <laughs> Some of you are like, should I get up and leave now or just wait till the end? We, we thought that because I live here and, and, and this is where my home church is and, and just my own family comes here that, that I should be here more often so you have someone to connect with. And so I may not teach every weekend, but 75% of the time I'm going to be here, either in the atrium or up here, just connecting. So you know that that Sunday, unless Eric's at Port Clinton or Norwalk teaching once a month, which I'll still do, Eric's going to be here and I can pray with him or I can go to him and Eric will point me to somebody that can help. So I'm going to be here more and I'm looking forward to growing with you. And we want to create opportunities to connect with me and to connect with others so we can grow deeper together. We want to elevate prayer and care needs. This is huge. When you write a prayer need on the back of your comment card and you put it in, it goes on a list, it goes to our prayer team and we pray. It's one of my favorite things to do is to pray for you. So please write those things. And then we also want to elevate care needs. We have a pastoral care team at the chapel made up of about 20 staff members that every day we have somebody on call that if you, if you have an issue and you call into the church, whether it's a staff member or a pastor, there will be somebody ready to talk or ready to visit you. But sometimes we don't know it's happening in your life. And I'm rarely on Facebook anymore, so I, I don't see what's going on. The only way we know is if you tell us. And if you tell us, we want to care for you. But it can't just be our pastoral care team on staff. We have to care for each other. We are a family. It cannot it cannot, please, I'm begging you. It cannot be all on me. There's so many of us here. 
And if we're becoming like Jesus, part of becoming like Jesus is caring for everybody. It's making sure people belong and are valued. We don't come to church just to get. We come to church to give and to come together. Please join me and our team in helping elevate that family life here. And then we want to continue to offer more resources for growing deeper throughout the week that you'll see going forward. We want to equip the next generation. I love what the psalmist says. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will, take, we will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. As much as I love all of us, we're finite, and over time, all of us are going to go to be with Jesus, which means it's our kids and our grandkids and their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids that are going to be the leaders of the church. What are we doing to equip kids and students and families to make sure that we can do that well. Well, here's just a few things that we've already done. We've hired Jen Rawson to be our family ministry director. You'll see in October, we've named it Orangetober to show you how we're an orange church. And Pastor Todd and Lisa, they led a parenting class. For the first time, 90 people came to that. We want to offer more of those. It's really cool. And we want to equip the next generation because... Look how special those middle scores are. They are the future. We have to do all that we can to pass our faith down to them. We want to cultivate healthy relationships. I was reflecting on Ephesians 4.2 recently, and I thought to myself, if we all did this, all the problems would go away in the whole world. <laughs> I mean, look what Paul says here to the church in Ephesus. He's like, look, just be humble and gentle. Always. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Can you imagine in all of our relationships, if we were more patient, more gentle, more humble, more loving? I mean, if you're a counselor, thank you for what you do. I personally go to counseling, but if we did this, we wouldn't need you, <laughs> right? I mean, if we lived this out in our marriages, at our workplaces, in our church, in, every, in our schools, everywhere else, it'd be like, man, this world's great. But we know that's not how the world is. We're broken. We're not humble, we're not always gentle, we're not patient. So how do we cultivate healthy relationships? So over the last month and a half, or year and a half, uh, we did through our renewed ministry, uh, Frast Friends and Fiesta, 150 women participated in that at all three campuses. James talks about caring for the widows, and so we hosted our second annual Widows Valentine's Day gathering that you see above at our Norwalk campus on Valentine's Day, which is the loneliest day for widows we don't have someone to love. And then we had 190 people attend our 2022 marriage conference. Our women's ministry is, is led by Mary and my wife Paula, and they're doing some amazing things. And they want to tell you a little bit of what's ahead. So look at the screens. And so over the next year and a half, we're going to be constructing more classes for parents to equip you to help equip your kids. In 2023, we are going to have our marriage conference with the Smallies who were here with us in 2020. They were amazing. We'll tell you how to sign up for that coming up, which will be in March 10th and 11th. We'll continue to unify our family ministry's efforts to better serve families. So from birth all the way to young adults, how can we unify that? And then create new events to foster relationships, just like you're seeing. Gain financial wisdom. Jesus, he says it this way, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I think if Jesus were here today, I think he would say it this way. However you spend your money, 
and swipe your credit card and save your money and give your money, that's your God. Either God's in control of your finances and you're doing it his way, which is a way he'll bless, or you're not. And the Bible's clear. In fact, it's so clear that it's the most repeated topic in all of scripture is money because it's so tied to our hearts. So how do we approach financial wisdom God's way? Well, we've captured and shared video testimonies during weekend services. If you've been here, you've seen some of those. We incorporated biblical generosity principles within all of our ministries. So kids, they come in with change or a dollar. They put it in a giving jar that impacts missionaries around the world. We're teaching them at a young age, it's better to give than to receive. And we're offering numerous financial stewardship classes, whether it's for Medicare or whether it's to be debt-free in your own finances. However that is, we have plenty of classes that we've already offered and will offer that helps us apply biblical truths to our finances. Also, about a year and a half ago, we said we wanted to pay off the mortgage of the church too. I want to give you an update on that. Over a million dollars has been generously donated to the mortgage reduction. 350 families have given towards that. Because we're able, and hopefully able, our goal is to pay it off early, we will save close to a million dollars in interest payments, which means it goes to the church and around the world and not to the bank. Amen to that. If we pay it off early, it's 12 years earlier than expected. But here's the greatest part of this. If we pay our mortgage off early, $250,000 a year that previously was used towards mortgage payments will be reinvested inside and outside the chapel walls. That blows my mind. Money that we're just paying the bank can be reinvested to change lives. When we built the Poor Clinton campus, we did it with no debt. There's no debt on that campus. Here and in Norwalk, there is. It started off at two, three million dollars, and now it's down to under 600,000. So we're going to try to pay that off over the next six months, three months, however God wants to do that. So if you want to be a part of that on your giving envelopes, you can check mortgage reduction or, or go online and do that. But a special thank you to those who have already given to that. What we could do with that will be incredible, and I'll end with how we can do that. Then we want to engage our neighborhoods, communities, and world for Christ. In the book of Acts, as we're reading this together, this is what Jesus launches this in with. He says, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people everywhere about me. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was saying, in your neighborhoods, in your communities, and in your world, take Jesus to them. And so over the last year and a half or so, we, oops, sorry about that. We launched The Church Has Left the Building Again. That was a great opportunity to serve our community. We hosted a worship experience with New Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church. We participated in our Norwalk campus and loved Norwalk, and then an awesome opportunity in Port Clinton called Wings and Worship. And you could see our Burundi team that just returned a couple weeks ago up there. It's part of reaching the next group of people. So over the next uh, year and a half, what we want to do is partner with Habitat for Humanity to build a home for a local family in need, which we started yesterday. You came in our parking lot, you see the structure over there. A five-bedroom house. Somehow kids and adults and me helped put some of that together. My wall, if you want to know which wall I built, it's the crooked one. That's how you can know. 
No, it's amazing what that team did. And, and you're going to see a picture here of Pastor Jay. Uh, our, the people that were here wrote, wrote just scriptures, inspiring messages to the family that received it. And I encourage you, if it's raining, probably you can't do it now, but between now and Wednesday, we have Sharpies out there. Drive out there as a family. Write some inspirational messages on the wood, and we're going to transfer that to their uh, home on Wednesday and then to really start to construct the house and put it all together. But it was such an amazing thing, and it, it changed, I know, our family's life. My son, who does, is allergic to hard work, uh, we were leaving, and uh, he is, and he just said, Dad, can we do this again? The 10-year-old, yes, let's do it. So, and then we also want to do, let's go ahead just a little bit here. Oh, skip ahead. All right, there. We want to provide a night to shine for our friends with special needs. It's with the Tim Tebow Foundation. Those with special needs, will, we're going to host a prom for them here in February. It's going to be amazing. We'll tell you more about it. We're not signing up volunteers yet, but I'll tell you when. We're going to be hosting our Global Missions Conference here in October. We're going to tell you all about that in September, so get ready for that. We're going to continue to offer more financial classes to help our people become debt-free. And finally, like we said before, we want to try to pay off the mortgage by the end of 2022. As we close our time together, the question now remains, okay, if we pay off the mortgage, now what? If we have that $250,000 to invest in ministries inside and outside the walls, what does that look like? So over the last couple of weeks, our, our leadership team and even some of you gathered together to just start to brainstorm and start to pray and ask God, what do you think you, you are doing here at the chapel? And I want to just present you with six possibilities. We're not tied to all of these, but these are some things that we feel like God could be doing at the chapel. And as you listen, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to be up here after the service. Come talk to me. What's resonating with you? What is God asking you to do as a part of the chapel? What can be a part of the next uh, vision here at the chapel? Or write it on a connect card, put it in our giving boxes, write your name, and we'll add it to the list of possibilities. Here's just six that we're starting to look at. Uh, create a thriving men's ministry. There's a lot for women. There's not enough for men. And men, and I'm talking to myself and all of us, it's time to step up and grow. So we want to create a thriving men's ministry that all men can belong to. That's a huge uh, thing for our hearts here on our pastoral team. We want to explore a new partnership with an unreached people group in Europe. If it's an unreached people group, uh, it's those who don't know the Bible at all. And there's 7,000 of them still remaining in the world. Can we come alongside another one to help them grow in their faith, just like we have with the Batwa people above? We may want to construct a multi-purpose building either in Port Clinton or Sandusky to facilitate Bible and ball, which is a great opportunity for kids to throw dodgeballs at each other and hear the word of God. Or having a place for little funerals or gatherings or weddings, things like that that we can come together more often. Is that what God's asking us to do? We want to explore ways to reach out to the marginalized in our communities. If you read the Gospels, you realize that Jesus went to those who did not fit in society. Who are those in our community? Who are those who are overlooked? How can we support them and come alongside of them? As inflation rises and everything that comes with that, we want to expand our benevolence and financial stewardship ministry. So if someone needs help with paying a bill, either in this church because we're a family and we help each other, or even those in the community, how can we help them during this really difficult time? We're looking at ways to do that. 
And then finally, again, the next generation of our college students who go off to college and our young adults that remain, how can we come alongside of them? Those are just six different ways. Again, our leadership team is praying about this, our elders, but we need to hear from you. Just because you give an idea doesn't mean we can do it, but there's been a couple ideas that our team wasn't even thinking about, and we're walking in that direction because I feel like that's what God's saying to us. But at the end of the day, I asked you to pray about something, and I want to end like this. I just pray, God, that you are glorified through this vision, and then we just ask, how can we be a part of it? So let's pray together.